0: Money for nothing and checks for free—that's the promise of passive income. It's Brian Preston, the money guy,
1: restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes—you've got financial questions; he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. I'm sorry, Brian. I want to let me what, <laughs> tell me those lyrics one more time. Okay, in all seriousness. If you guys know,
0: Dire Straits has an awesome song called "Money for Nothing," uh-huh. and MTV loved it because it's got. I want my MTV. He I mean, did that's you uh, almost gonna lay it right on top I, of it. I, the, it was so popular, but it had a line that until last week, I've realized I was getting wrong because it's money for nothing. And by
1: the way, this song didn't just come out. You've no, had this this, this is, wrong for and by the way, it shows that I years. listen to
0: music more than lyrics. <laughs> money for nothing, get your checks. For free is what I thought it was.
1: Yeah, and the actual lyric is, that ain't working. That's the way you do it. Get your money for nothing. And in the Money Guy Brian Preston remix, <laughs> This is why I
0: was meant to do what I do for a living. Get your
1: checks for free. Because
0: that's what people... It's actually get your chicks for free. I didn't realize that's, that but was that what the lyric But that seems less was. less
1: pertinent to a uh, financial podcast. It, so it's definitely
0: not aged well in light of everything. <laughs> but it is what definitely... Checks for free is much more PG or even G rated than I guess the original but it is one of those things where everywhere on the internet if you go on YouTube if you go to blog post everybody's telling you passive income mm-hmm. that's what you want mailbox money that's just right. sit back let your money work for you let it roll in what could go wrong i mean this this is what's pitched that's exactly right so we even have a screen to give you i just we gave the task we said daniel all you have to do, because if you saw what Daniel came back with, we were basically give infomercial plugs to every one of the <laughs> passive income strategies that are being bragged about and praised out there on the internet. We're like, no, we're not doing, uh, uh, you know, a no cost advertising. advertising. So this is what we came up with. I feel like we need a drum roll. So we went through, and here are some, Whoa, some, look, some headlines. Somebody got
1: crazy with the transitions. <laughs> passive dude. income, make more money in 2019. <laughs> Passive income ideas. 10, one, 10 ways I make $1,000 $1 one per uh-huh. month. Oh, close. 32 simple ways to make money without doing anything. Oh, passive right income. How I make $7,200 <laughs> a old month. around the world. Nine <laughs> passive income ideas, parentheses, that earn more than $1,000 plus per month. And then five passive income streams that will make you rich.
0: Daniel, were those, were those transitions, was that in order from top to bottom, or did you actually go through and, and pinpoint those? Uh, yeah, I just did them in order. I well done. So he, he I like that, especially the round-the-world one that actually came all the way around the
1: top before it made it to the middle of the screen. That was my favorite. So there's no doubt. If people are um, putting, putting out this kind of information, passive income, passive income, it must be something that's really easy for folks to grab onto and want to learn more about because it's just like you said, what sounds better— then mailbox money, money I don't even have to work for.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think the illusion is is that you go travel the world, you know, you go wake up and be like, oh, I'm in Bora Bora today. It's time, to, I guess, to make a little money. So we'll write a blog post, right. and then you know, money just starts getting directly deposited. And this sounds, and this is, and it, truthfully, it's the daydream of people who hate their nine to five job. Yep. And there is an entire cottage industry that has popped up that takes advantage of people's discomfort with their n- nine to five and they daydream, but it's how much of this is actually right. actionable. Yep. So what I wanted to do today is we have three passive strategies. I'm using the rabbit ears for our non, you know, YouTube watchers. We are, cause it is something I want to, I want to break it down. Is this passive income strategy is this truly passive or sure. is there some active element yep. to me? And is there, after you hear me go through these and even the ones that we poke fun at, I don't want you to get upset because all my all my people realize we're going to give you tips and tricks that even if we classify this as non-passive, we're going to tell you how to win with it anyway. Absolutely. So that way, even if you've gone down this path, you can actually still win. But the, the biggest thing is understanding you need to know what is passive income what is active income? Because the first thing I think people who are selling these systems they don't do a good job of explaining.
1: That's it. exactly right. So our goal today is to separate the fact from the fiction, so you understand what you're actually getting yourself into. So let's kind of let's 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 kind of break this out, Bo. Let's okay. go into what's passive, what's real income. Yep. So uh, when we think about passive income, you know there are sort of three things we think about. Number one is income that doesn't require you to work. So you don't actually have to go have a job generate. Uh, you don't have to actually, actually... I want some of that. Pursue that,
0: right? I want it's, my money just showing up.
1: And I'm trying to think about, like, okay, so something... Uh, inheritance, maybe? Like, I guess, like, if you inherit money, that would be a passive... You
0: have to be the child. I'm just saying, you
1: didn't... That's a lot of work.
0: You, okay, I guess. You nothing. gotta get lucky and be born into that. Uh, uh, no, I don't think... Inheriting right, is not passive uh, income.
1: Uh, lottery. Winning the lottery. Passive income? No, because, I mean, it... Nobody is, I don't think they're running YouTube channels off of the lottery. I'm just saying, I'm trying to think about something where it's no work at all, it doesn't take anything to go into it, and all of a sudden money just starts showing up.
0: Well, we talk about it. I will say to, to kind of cut through, we talk about that we do want your army of dollar bills to grow because mm-hmm. we're thinking about in terms of investing so you can work less with your back, your brains, your hands. I want your army of dollar bills. So I guess I in a way we are people talking about passive income sure. and we'll go deeper into that later. And and I do want to be very clear. Passive investing there are some benefits to it. You know, one of the last things we have on there is lower tax rates. Yep. I mean, think about this. When this is why when Warren Buffett comes out and he goes I pay less as a percentage of my income than my secretary. Mm-hmm. What Warren is doing is a sleight of hand where he's comparing his capital income versus his secretary's active income. Right. And capital income can have capital gains, which get a better tax rate. Dividends have a lower ca- you know, tax rate. And then most of your flow-through income, as long as you're not a doctor, dentist, financial planner, attorney, celebrity, you get this new small business exclusion of 20% of your income. It's, you know, so that's a lot of real estate investors. Yep. So people who have rental property, you are getting a 20% deduction. Yep. So there's a lot, there are some tax benefits with passive income.
1: So, okay, so then what are, then what things would qualify as active income?
0: It, the active income, let's face it, wages. When you're working, the majority of us are working stiffs that go and make our income by showing up at a job every yep. morning. And there is, look, I, these things can, and we're gonna get into this in greater detail. You actually find that it's not an either or. There's a lot more interlacing Mm -hmm. where you are having wages and active income that you're hoping down the road that you can build this army of dollar bills Mm -hmm. to get you some separation. And we've done shows, Bo, on side hustles, too. These are other things where hobbies can generate income,
1: but but your hand's definitely in the dough of making the dough. Yeah, I I think that's the biggest misnomer we see out there is that side hustles, I think, are the majority of things that we see people use as passive income, whether that side hustle is rental property or a podcast or blog or fill in the blank. What what we're really talking about, though, is a side hustle, it takes a lot of work for it to actually be something that generates real meaningful income for you.
0: Well, and I think we're the perfect tour guide in the fact that we're going to talk about how passive income, things that are advertised as passive, actually have some elements of very much active mm-hmm. involvement exactly right. to be successful. And this is why we're your perfect tour guide is because I've worked in tax preparation for over 16 years. So I had a lot of clients with rental property. We are people who have done, we've created a very successful social media I'll just say it, Empire, because we have podcasting, we have YouTube, and we have blogging. We can tell you the ins and outs of monetizing that. I think that's unique. Yep. And then what is our day job? We're fee-only wealth managers. So we definitely know how portfolio income and that army of dollar bills working. So let's walk. I want to jump headfirst into this and kind of walk everybody through. Let's go through some of the, the three biggest passive income strategies and expose what's real and what's kind of a false mirage. Mm-hmm. So the first one. Real estate, real estate. This is the one that most people who say they're doing passive income, they're usually pushing real estate strategies. And real estate is, without a doubt, a great way to build wealth. So don't hear me pick on it as a passive income strategy and say, "Well, he just hates real estate." No, I'm just saying that it requires to be successful. It's going to require some work.
1: And I th- again, I think the daydream is when it comes to real properties. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna buy this property and I'm going to get a mortgage on it, and then I'm going to have someone come in, and they're going to pay rent, and they're going to cover the cost of me owning this asset, and then one day I'll sell it, and they would have essentially bought the thing for me. So it didn't cost me any money to buy it, and then I was able to get back my initial investment plus capital appreciation. It's just that easy.
0: So let's look at the brochure. What 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 are people selling this dream of passive real estate income? And it is exactly what you said. It's just that this has got a little more sizzle to it because we put – Attractive people, houses, free money—is yep. that you just sit back and collect that rent, Bo? That's what you do with real estate. You that go easy. get you some rental property and sit back and collect that rent.
1: And here's the really easy part: is if you buy more rental properties, you have more passive income. So yep. don't just do one. Once you've done one, you have a tenant. Then go do another and another and another. And all of a sudden, you are a real estate rental property tycoon. You're a mogul. That's a mogul. That's even a better word. It you is. are a real that's estate what, that's mogul. What
0: the goal is. So let's talk about... Let's, this is what the brochure is. Let's talk about the reality. Okay. And this is where my years of doing tax preparation is going to pay off for you guys because mm-hmm. you're going to learn from what I experienced with my own rental property. I've been an, an accidental rental landlord in some degrees, and then I've worked with a lot of clients. That on, had on more than lots one occasion, of, actually. Yeah, so there's a, lot, there's a lot of wisdom from experience in this. So here, let me give you the reality check on rental property because the brochure you heard... If one is good, sit back and collect the free rent. Why not do 10? Why not do 20? Why not do 100? And then you can be rich beyond your wildest imaginations. But here's the reality. If you did 10 rental properties, I'm going to walk you through and I want to give you some cold water reality checks just so you're prepared for what you're dealing with. If you have 10 rental properties, there's likely... That one of them is going to have a tenant that's changing engines in the living room. No,
1: come on, Brian. That sounds crazy. That that can't be a real thing. Here's what.
0: Just last week, I was talking to a a, a podcast listener who's actually has turned into a client. We were doing some of our initial meetings, and I told him that because he he was, and he says, "You know what? It's funny you say that." He goes, "Because we were in charge of going and reviewing this this apartment, and we saw a piece of." Of plywood over the window, and i told the, the I told the company that I need to see inside that apartment as as we 're trying to f- evaluate the deal and they were like no it 's okay you know it's just needs some repairs. He insisted went in sure enough, a guy was running a motorcycle repair shop out of the middle of his apartment in the apartment company. so i and by the way i didn 't make this up. I had a client that back in Georgia had a client who was changing engines in his living room. So you can imagine the well, damage. Well, come
1: on. I mean, that makes sense, right? Because if you think about it, if, you, if you're if you in the garage and it's cold or it's hot, at least if you change in the living room, you can watch TV or close to the kitchen. Uh, I think that they're makes just sense, maximizing
0: right? all uses of the property. And then, you know, the other thing, so if you have one changing an engine, you have another tenant that the commodes go start leaking on them. Mm-hmm. And you go, they're just going to be like, well, it's just a leak. Why do I need to worry about this little drip, drip, drip from the commode. Before you know it, the $75 dripping commode turns into an $8,000 mold repair because the black yep. mold gets behind the sheetrock. You have to rip out all the
1: sheetrock, rip out the fixtures. It turns into a disaster. It, That's going to be another one. Because no matter how good of a tenant your tenant is, no matter how much they love you, they're not going to love your property as much as you love it. It's That's not just fact. They're renting it. And then the, the, you have a, you're going to have another tenant that has they
0: gotten ticked off at you because they're already two, three months behind on rent. They're going to tell you a sob story. You're going to say, I still need to collect my rent. They're going to get mad at you. They're going to rip the cabinet doors off. They're going to punch holes in your sheetrock. They're going to stain your carpet. And look, I'm just giving you the situation. The good news is is that seven of these tenants, though, will be good tenants. But three of them are going to make your wife holy heck.
1: And, And here's the other thing. Even if you decided some of those tenants you didn't like, it's not even easy to get folks out of your property. There are actually formal court proceedings you have to go through to evict a tenant. So it's not even like you can get your property back just because you don't like what's happening in it. So what we're
0: telling you is that real estate is actually really hard work. None of this, when I give you the reality of it, sounds like passive income, does it? Because you're going to learn to do it right A successful investor in real estate is going to require two things. The first, location, location, location. You need to know, what this is where you're going to make the majority of your long-term money is, what was the purchase price? Because your capital gain, did you get it at a good value to where you're buying? And will it be a good market? And then your tenant screening process. This is how you keep the people out who are changing engines and doing all the, un, you know, unsavory things to your property that you're in the long term want to generate income for many years to come.
1: And the, the third thing, even the third outside of those two, Brian, is that you have to have a healthy balance sheet. Yep. A lot of times when people buy a rental property, it's a levered asset that you're buying. And when you think about buying 10 properties, it's not really difficult to get way out ahead of your skis. You have to make sure your balance sheet can sustain having periods of vacancy or periods where you have to make repairs or having... Uh, assets there so that you can account for some of these negative side effects of real estate investing.
0: You just said something that I think a lot of people don't respect respect the leverage. Um, look, it's exciting. Let me let me give you an example. If you buy a hundred thousand dollar rental property, and and you can do that all day long in the southeast for yep. sure. Uh, I know in Georgia, where we came from, you could. So you buy a $1, thousand, hundred thousand dollar rental property. You're thinking, okay, I have to put down twenty thousand dollars or twenty percent. Mm-hmm. But when the house appreciates, say it's worth a hundred thousand this year, next year, let's just not even worry about the tenant. Let's just think about it. it's now worth a hundred and five thousand twelve months later. It appreciated by five percent. We yep. see, saw this happen all the time. So on paper. Your $100,000 investment that you only came out of pocket for 20 grand mm-hmm. for is now worth 105. You just made $5,000 on a $20,000 investment. On paper, that looks like a 25% rate of return right. all in one year. And you're like, this oh is my easy. goodness, this is the greatest thing. Ever, because so, that's leverage. Yep. That's what leverage lets you do. It lets you take a little bit of money, buy a much bigger asset. So then, when it returns five percent, the bigger asset does, because you only put up a little bit. You borrowed the rest. You get a much more accelerated yep. rate of return. But here's the catch. And this is, I want to steal a quote from our favorite rich uncle, Warren Buffett. And I, and I had, you, you only find out who's swimming naked. When the tide goes That's out, exactly right. And what he was talking about this was he was actually talking about institutions, banks that went out there during the real estate crisis and got themselves over leveraged, and then they got themselves in trouble. It happens. The same thing happens to individual investors with real estate. And the fact that yes, it is great, especially if you could make five percent. I mean, twenty five percent or five thousand dollars on one. Why not do it on ten? Mm-hmm. The problem is, is when you hit that recession. You that leverage requires a down payment on $100,000, probably like a $500 a month mortgage payment. You do that by 10. Now we're talking about $5,000 a month. What happens if you have no tenants in those houses? It gets scary. And then what if you have to do repairs in those same months? Because now to get your money back out, you have to get the house back to rent ready. So you're having to replace carpet. You're having to paint walls. You have to replace cabinets. You have to fixing all the things. You can quickly see how your free money can very much get you in some financial that trouble. Become and that, and very
1: expensive money.
0: <laughs> so let, let's talk about this because a lot of you are like, wait a minute, Brian, let me tell you, I know how to turn this into passive. I'm just going to hire a management company. Oh, that makes a it easy. A property management company is going to be a solution. And truthfully, that does make real estate a much more passive income mm-hmm. source. The problem is most property managers are going to take at least 10% of your revenue collection. Guess where your profit probably lies?
1: It's going to be somewhere in that 10%. (laughs) That's kind of where it's So you're back to the point. So are
0: you actually getting passive income from rent, or is this a long-term play for Mm -hmm. capital appreciation? And the answer might be a combination of the two, but it's just that I know a lot of strategies I'm seeing out there is people who are saying, okay, you'll do your first property after it appreciates three years in the future. You go refinance, pull the capital out, go buy another rental property. You can see you never actually own the property. You're just getting more and more leverage, expanding your empire. Mm-hmm. The music will stop at some That's point. exactly right. So let's talk about how do you get to do real estate right? Okay. And, and here's what we want to talk about. First thing is most people out there that you see on YouTube, infomercials late night on TV, they're selling systems. But why is it why should we always be skeptical of people selling
1: income systems? Yeah, when someone tells you that they figured out the way to go out there and make a gazillion dollars a year, just follow their tried and true tactics, my spidey sense immediately goes off because I think to myself, if this person really had it figured out, why would they be telling me? They should just be sitting back collecting all the money on themselves. It immediately lets me know that maybe they're trying to sell me something besides my actual future success. Their
0: profit is probably more likely coming from the system they're selling right. versus the actual strategies involved. That's exactly right. There's a reason. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you guys. Not that we we always are. I'm going to be transparent. That's probably a better way to say it. I feel like we're one of the early financial advisors to YouTubing. Sure, We yeah. were one of the original yep. podcast advisors. Do y'all notice you haven't seen Brian at a lot of conferences talking about his YouTube strategy? Do you know why? I don't want to share what I think is working and what's successful with my competition until I feel like we're way ahead of it. So why would anybody sell a system that creates more competition for them? That is your first clue that they're probably not actually trying to help you with a system that to help you. That's exactly right. They, they're, they're creating competition because they're making their money. By the way, we see this. There are a lot of financial advisors that are selling coaching and other things other financial advisors. Why? I mean, uh, maybe I'll stop there, but it's just... It's creating more competition is all all it's doing, but we'll keep moving. The
1: second thing you said, Brian, you already hit on this, is you have to understand leverage. You have to understand the benefits of leverage and the risk of leverage. I think your example was fantastic that you worked through. Don't let yourself get out ahead of your skis. Understand how aggressive a real estate empire can be if you don't have the balance sheet to support it. And then...
0: Here's the thing this is common sense to anybody who's an entrepreneur or run a business is that this is a business, so you need to treat it that way. So, this is where you go really do your homework. Let's focus on what you need to do. I've already mentioned you got to pay attention to location, that's going to be a big part of it. You got to pay attention to price paid because this is where long term it's going to determine. What rent can you collect and get your money back Mm -hmm. as fast as possible to pay down debt? If you overpaid for the property, you're already underwater likely in the transaction. You need to know what the competition and what the rent collections in the area are because that's going to play into it. And then last thing, Bo, and I want you to kind of share this with us, is how do the type of tenants or, or the location
1: or where the property is, how does that impact things? Yeah. So you really have to know the type of tenants that you'll work with. And we thought about sort of three different categories. There are uh, college kids. If you're in a college town and you want to do like college rental properties, we have a lot of folks who do that because it is uh, not difficult to have rental tenants in there. There's high turnover and they tend to be really, really rough
0: on the property. Yeah. It's good that you know, you have the backstop of probably parents that will, you know, always go help them pay their rent, but it is tough. That They're probably going to tear your place up a That's little bit because exactly their they're, right. they're, they're, they're first time they're away from home, they're going to treat it like it's their first house That's away exactly from right. home. So, so realize that. But talk to them because, you, you know, we mentioned there are places like I think about high tech areas mm-hmm. like Seattle and, and, you know, Silicon Valley. Where if you are a landlord in those areas, you probably do pretty good because you got high-income people. You have you have highly educated. That's so right. these are these are not bad people. But what's the downside of why not everybody can do this? Because
1: they're transient. And so if you have to go buy a really really expensive property that costs in the millions of dollars for it to be a rental property, and it might carry a mortgage payment that is five six seven thousand dollars a month, and maybe you have someone in there that can pay that. There's a chance that person will be gone six eight ten months from now, and now you have a really, really expensive property that might not be the perfect property to be a rental property.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Some of those key areas where you could get great rent, like the Silicon Valleys, like Seattle, they're going to have a huge purchase price on the rental property. So that's going to keep out a lot of people because you're like, wow, that's what I want. I want quality tenants... But you have to realize to get some of those quality tenants, you probably have a much higher purchase price. Right. There's a give and take there. I'm kind of getting my Bernie Mac, the three things. You can only get two of the three. Because the last one is, where is the easiest property to buy? Is usually you can go buy low price property to tenants that can't qualify to mm-hmm. buy houses themselves. These are the houses when I was talking about, like, I know where we're from in mm-hmm. South Atlanta. You can buy a $60,000, $70,000 rental property all day long. But the problem is, is that you're going to be dealing with low purchase price, mm-hmm. but high headaches. Because right. this is the people that are changing the engines. This is the people that are going to tear your pro- pro- property up because there's a reason they cannot qualify to buy their own property. So just know the type of tenant you're going to deal with, and that's going to really help you out with real estate. And then you got to create a cash flow, an outlook with three variations. We talk about this all, all the, time. the time with any business. This is going to be This is how I think, option one is, this is how I think things will go. Option two will be, Holy cow, this really is going to work out. We're going to be rich. Right. And then the last one is, is man, this is a dumpster fire. How did we ever get into this? I have ruined my financial life by getting into this crazy scam.
1: And I think the thing that you have to do is you have to really take that third scenario very seriously and understand the power and, and need to have liquidity and cash reserves. Because yeah. there are going to be times when you might have to pay for the rent or the utilities while you're looking for the next tenant. And Houses, they're just they're assets that things go wrong. You have to replace roofs. you have to replace AC units. You need to make sure that you have capital in place where you can make those improvements. Any good business would have cash in reserves, so you and owning a rental business have to do the same thing.
0: Last thing that I want to close out real estate. All of my retirees, people who think you're getting close to the work end of you're working with your your, your hands, your back, your arms, and your wages you do not want to be over levered in retirement. Remember by retirement, you need to be completely debt free. That goes for investment debt too. So that's why realize if you're going to do this, I want you to think about it in terms of how do I do this without being encumbered tremendously? And I know that's going to go against a lot of people, but this is what's going to keep you protected from when the music stops. You're not going to let these decisions ruin your entire financial life. It's perfect. Let's talk about number two on passive income. We moved past real estate. Now we're talking about why not do what you enjoy. You can create a blog. You can be a podcaster. You can do a YouTube
1: channel. There's people making millions of dollars by playing video games. That's it. I love playing video games, or I'm an expert in a field, or maybe I'm just funny and entertaining. Why wouldn't someone pay to get my thoughts, my ideas, my creativity, or just me curating something fun in life, like out there doing trick shots? Yeah. Surely that's got to be something I can make money doing.
0: So just let's show let's show them the, the brochure. This is what they sell you on the brochure: is that you can get rich. Playing video games, making slime videos, unboxing toys for the kiddios. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Or this is where it's, it's like I was talking about. You can be in the Greek Isles, and you know, in, in between the ferry ride from one Greek Isle to another uh, island to another, uh-huh. you can just get off and blog, and your life is beautiful. That's right. I mean, this is the dream. The reality check is I'm gonna be honest, this is something we know something about. I'm just the thing that it is. It is tough to build an audience. Growing your tribe is hard for many reasons. Yep. And let, let's kind of just jump in here. I'll, I'll start off first with YouTube. YouTube, anybody who's talked to me. I guess you know how I said I'm not going around giving conferences. Uh, you're absolutely about to do it uh, right now. I'm about to give it's away so some funny. free. It's so funny as you were
1: saying that. I was like, he yeah, to But you know what? Know I, it's okay cuz
0: this isn't this doesn't give them everything. <laughs> this just gives them a taste of what they're going to face <laughs> if they do this. Fair so enough. So YouTube is so much like a dysfunctional relationship. And what do I mean by it is that you look at you first time you see YouTube, it catches your eye. And You're like, oh, she's pretty. Got a tingle there. You know, <laughs> some, definitely the, the hair on the arm is standing up. I think I'm interested in this YouTube thing. So you start paying attention to YouTube and you start trying to create content. But guess what YouTube's doing to you for the first 90 days that you're doing this? It's ignoring you. I'm telling you, this is a dysfunctional uh-huh. relationship. You are, besides your family, your friends, your mother, nobody's watching your content. And you're like, wow, I gotta do this. I've done this for three months, and only my family and friends uh-huh. are seeing this. That's what the first three months is like. Fast forward, see so you've done this 90 days. Now YouTube, the algorithm wakes up and it's like he's going to keep creating content. I guess I'll start paying him a little attention. So you will start to see, you'll start being in this relationship that's a dysfunctional 28-day cycle, meaning that YouTube's going to love on you for 28 days and promote your content through the algorithm. And then all of a sudden, just as you start getting excited and thinking that you're figuring something out, YouTube is going to disappear again. Yep. And you'll be like, whoa, I want more of what I got last month. That 28 days where I was growing was pretty incredible. You go, what's going on here? And it keeps, this cycle keeps repeating where it really is this up and down, but you keep going a little bit higher mm-hmm. through the content creation process. But this is not going to be easy whatsoever. And here's the other part, is you have to
1: consistently create content. Yeah, I think what's so funny, Brian, and we talk about this all the time, is when someone first starts a, a YouTube channel or, or, or whatever they're going to pursue, generally the first couple ones They might not be the best ones, but they're the ones that you've put the most effort into because you think everything has to be perfect. You have your words perfect and the screenshot perfect and all the transitions. You know, Daniel makes stuff spin around and be all pretty. (laughs) You do all of that stuff early on, and then nobody listens to it. So it is, like, disheartening, right? Like, you feel very... uh, Like, you just put all this effort into this thing that does nothing. It kind of plays some some mental mind games with you, for sure. Yeah, because you're writing
0: all... And truthfully... I think a lot of people, they probably get their best ideas out in the first eight weeks. Uh-huh. I mean, you go and you, you, you throw up out there all your content, and then you're like, whoa, now what? Because <laughs> you know, that's the first question. When we go to conferences like FinCon podcast, movement, people go, how do you keep coming up with content? You know, And it is one of those things. I will tell you, you have to have an editorial calendar. You have to do things because this goes on year after year. You know, it, 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 Think about If you have to create, like I know YouTube because we're, we're in the middle of talking about YouTube. It requires four pieces of fresh content every week if you want to maximize the algorithm. That's what the research shows sure. for us. So you have to do four pieces of content, 52 weeks a year. Man, it sounds it's like we're a making donuts. Co- a I lot. mean, and I love it. I don't want you guys to misinterpret this, but I'm just telling you, if you don't have your passion aligned with what motivates you, you really could, you could really get yourself in a pickle that's here. That's exactly right. And, and that, that leads us to the next one podcasting. Mm-hmm. This is what I started out with in 2006. Here's a sad fact I had Daniel go pull this for me because I had heard share of the year discussions from I think it was podcast movement this year. Listen to this 75% of podcasts are no longer in production.
1: That That's kind of wild for me to think about because, Brian, you started podcasting back in 2006, one of the very early ons. 75% of the shows that have come and gone have happened in the life cycle we've been doing this little, this little engine that could. That's kind of crazy. No,
0: it's because how many, how many financial advisors have found out that we've done podcasts? Now, there's some successful ones, by the way, because oh, we yeah. were just at FinCon, and we're friends with some of these uh-huh. guys. And it's, it makes me so happy to know that in some little way our fingers are in the recipe, and I love that. That actually is somewhat f- very fulfilling. But I do know there's a lot of, like, we had a neighbor down in Georgia— uh-huh business he said he saw how we were doing well with podcasting so guess what he did started he a started a podcast with much fanfare from the local media 2 months later He's no longer Nothing. doing podcasts. So only 20% of podcasts produce fresh episodes in the last 90-day period is what the research shows. That's
1: crazy to think about, too. So, so it, the
0: majority of the content is, is coming from not that many content creators because exactly. there's just a lot of one-offs where people create 4, 5, 10, 20 shows, and then they disappear. They, they waste away. So how do you do content creation right? Let's tell you how to win at content creation. The first thing is make sure you have your why. Tied down.
1: Yeah, people ask me all the time, okay, well, how do you guys do it? and how have you been doing it for so long? And here's what I think is really interesting, Brian. The only thing that's different about the show that we do versus our everyday life is that there's the cameras in front of us and there's microphones in front of us. All the time, we talk about this stuff anyways. Yeah. So we just go back and forth with it. I think understanding your why and why you're doing it and really have really being able to hone in the passion behind it is the thing that's going to keep it going. If you're just doing it because you want, side income or a side hustle, it's gonna be really hard to have that staying power, I feel. If
0: money's your motivator, you're doing it wrong. And that that leads to we talked about being consistent. If you wanna here's a here's a tip if you're just starting out. Collaborate. Mm -hmm. We're horrible at this, you know, but I can tell you going to FinCon, podcast movement, other conferences, people who are collaborating, meaning they're inviting other people to be on their shows, going on other people's shows to Mm cross-pollinate those audiences. It works tremendously. So definitely collaborate. And then here's another tip. Use an editorial calendar. Mm -hmm. That way when inspiration creativity hits you, you actually are there to take advantage of it. And we use a we use an app called Workflow. Yeah,
1: I think it only took us 10 years of doing that wrong to get it right. <laughs> I, think, I think it was one decade before we actually figured out that could actually make the content better.
0: So that's, you know, so go, there's a little tidbit for all the people that are, that are kind of my miners looking for little things. Workflow is a great content management because you can drag and drop, move stuff, collaborate. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff there, but editorial calendar where you write down those ideas is going mm-hmm. to help you tremendously. So so there's, we've, we we, I feel like we've given tips, but we've also we've kind of poo pooed a little bit on real estate. Mm-hmm. We've poo pooed on content creation.
1: I just don't think that either one of them really seem very much very passive.
0: So we're starting to realize that passive might require a little more active and elbow grease. Mm-hmm. This is not something where you you're, you're slip, drinking the mati you know cocktail. And money's just showing up right. in the mailbox like it's been pitched. So let's talk about now that I've kind of thrown cold water, there is one that I think truly is passive income. And this is the one we're talking about all the time with your army of dollar bills, and that's investment income.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. This
0: is the easiest one because now a lot of you guys are like, Wow. We went all the way through real estate. We went all the way through content creation. And now you guys are going to get to and tell us investment income is passive income. That's it. And I think it's purer than the other two. Absolutely. Because it is easier in the fact of, and I even want to talk about what could you expect your performance. And look, there's millennials out there watching it because we know who our demographics of who who is watching the show. And when I see the research, it shows that millennials do not believe in investing. They do not believe in the stock market. They think their preferred investment is cash. It makes me want to go to bed crying because I just realized there's so much opportunity for people. So I've used this stat before, but I think it's worth showing. Show them We got
1: S&P 500, Real estate, because go ahead and pull it up, Bo. I just I think it's that that powerful. So we asked the question, how much can you make investing? So we wanted to look at the current yield because you know there are two components whenever you think about investing. There's an income component, how much income does it generate, and there's also a total return or capital appreciation component. So if we look at the current yield of three different asset classes, S and P 500, and then just real estate investment trust. Wait, wait a minute, wait, we got to hit pause. You mean to tell me? We can
0: invest in real estate without owning 40 rental properties? Uh, that's exactly what I said.
1: Whoa, wait a minute. We might be onto something with this passive income strategy. Keep going. I'm sorry. And then the third is just U.S. bonds. So we have a little bit of something for everybody. We got something for the cowboys. We have something for the scaredy cats. And we even have something right in the middle for the folks who just really want to be involved in this real estate stuff.
0: So, and look, and for all the negative comments I get on 10% for people in their 20s, all we're doing is we're looking at the S&P 500 for the last 90 years. Real estate, with looking at REITs for the last 20 years, has averaged close to 12% per year. And then even bonds are right around very secure, very safe, right around 3.5% per year annual return. Now, It's, it's one of those things... Now I will tell you these two numbers go together. Like the yield is is built it's into yep. the annual return. And, I don't want anything anybody to think that we're adding those two. And things. I
1: just thought about this because we've gotten some feedback on this. Sometimes when we have a really cool illustration, we forget to mention it for our audio audience, for our iTunes, iHeartRadio Stitcher folks. What we're showing right now is the S and P 500 current yield, the current income component of the S and P right now, as it as it is today, is about one point nine percent. And over the last 90 years, it's annualized 9.8% per year over that 90-year period. For real estate investment trusts, the current income yield, the income it generates, is a little over 3.5%. Over the last 20 years, it's made almost 12% per year. And then U.S. bonds are about 2.7% in current yield. And over the last 40 years, they've made about 3.5%. I just stood out there for our No, our I No, I folks. think
0: that's great. And this also, this is a great way to kind of close it out and bring it all to... To, to the 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 understanding that you quickly realize that your active income, meaning your wages your side hustles, all of your behavior your goal ultimately is you're hoping that you can with your human capital move it towards something more passive like mm-hmm. investment That's portfolios right. and things like that and look i even I love how we even brought this full circle where all of our real estate investors we even have Investments you can do with mutual funds, REITs, ETFs, where it truly does let real estate be passive instead of active, where you're going to have to be landlord- to 30 people. And and just that doesn't sound like easy money to me. But the biggest thing is to have a plan. You need to have a plan where you understand how long you have to have active income and how fast can you turn active into passive so that your money does do all the heavy lifting for you. I
1: think you just said it beautifully, Brian, that it's actually a transition. Your goal should be we all come into this world in our, you know, late teens, early 20s, And we have to get active. We have to go generate income so we can keep the lights on and put food on the table. We think the beautiful way to think about passive income is figuring out how quickly you can turn the active energy you are putting out there into passive income. We think the best way to do that is through building that army of dollar bills. And the last
0: thing, you guys can make money in real estate, you can make money in content creation. We've met you guys out there in the public and you're doing it. Just know what you're getting into. Don't let somebody sell you some snake oil. And lead you astray. And you probably, after listening to this, you're like, wow, these guys, I feel like they're very transparent. They were very upfront. They don't know song lyrics. They obviously don't <laughs> know the difference
1: between checks and chicks. I, hold on, there's not they. I knew the song lyrics. I knew the song lyrics. Well, just throwing that out there. In my brain, checks sounds a
0: lot like chicks. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know song lyrics, but I do know we love giving you this free advice. We love, you come here. This is the abundance cycle where you come, you listen, you learn, you apply, you grow. One day you're going to reach a level of assets. Your passive income is going to reach the point that you go, man, I really want this to be passive to the point that I don't even have to worry about it. So I'm going to bring in these guys to help me manage this. And we we appreciate that. That's what we just, if you want to pay it forward to us. Remember who kind of gave you all this advice over the years. And it just warms our heart to know we get to work with people all across the country.
1: Uh, If you haven't had a chance to go to our website yet, you can go to moneyguide.com. We have a blog there that we're doing now. You can go read that. You can also get updates every time we put out new content. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, make sure you go out to YouTube, subscribe so you can be a part of our audience there. And then every other Tuesday night at 445, we do a live stream, 445 Central, where you can actually be involved in a live chat while we record. Uh, It's so much fun. If you had not had a chance to check it out, make sure you check that out.
0: Guys, thank you so much. Passive income revealed. We're the Money Guy team, and we're out.
1: The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice.